As an entrepreneur in the online space, for the past couple years, I have been observing this pattern where people get so caught up in looking for a quick fix, in looking for one answer, one way of doing things, or of looking for something or someone, a mentor or a coach or an influencer who can just solve all of their problems and just make it all go away. And at the end of the day, you are the only one with the answers to your unique unique growth journey to your path and to reaching your goals. That journey looks different for every single person. And it's so incredibly important that you find what works best for you on your journey to reaching your goals. Because I have seen so many people who end up in this shame and guilt cycle, feeling like something is wrong with them because one person's strategy or method of getting to their goals didn't work. And it's so easy for us to blame ourselves whenever we're following a specific method or strategy and then it doesn't work out. We think that we are the problem. So in this episode today, I interviewed Uma, a neuroscience graduate student who is dedicated to studying the power of our brains through her research in neuroplasticity and nervous system regulation. As a survivor of metastatic thyroid cancer, autoimmune diseases, and mental illness, Uma serves as an empowering advocate for healing through her work as a peer support facilitator, speaker, speaker, writer, and legislative advocate. And in this episode, we chatted all about overcoming resistance, building self-trust, variability in your own healing journey, mental health advocacy, and so much more. Welcome to the Unbounded Podcast. I'm your host, Liz, and I am a mindset and transformation coach, as well as a certified breathwork facilitator. And I am so happy to be here with you today. The Unbounded Podcast is all about stepping into your true limitless nature and breaking free from the patterns, blocks, and beliefs, keeping you from manifesting all that you desire in life so that you can live truly free and fulfilled. In this podcast, I'm going to provide you with the tools, conversations, and techniques needed to create the success, body, and life you desire without the sabotage and struggle. Be sure to leave me a review if you enjoy, as well as check out my coaching and programs and join me at the social media links in the show notes below. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, Uma. Welcome to the Unbounded Podcast. Hello. I'm super excited to have you here today and to dive into your healing journey. And so I'd love to just start off by having you share your story. Yes, I am just so grateful to be here and to to talk to you today. You're incredible. And I'm just so happy to talk to your audience. Um, so I'm Uma. I'm 25 years old, living in Dallas, and I have lived a very... Um, robust life to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> um, I have been chronically ill since I was pretty much born and have been navigating my health and my mental health for a, a lifetime. And I grew up just very disempowered around my health, unable to really get a grasp on it or the support I needed, as well as uh, my mental health from, you know, as early as age six years old. And I just kind of always knew in life that there was something, there was so much missing, so much information that was out there, but I was also just trying to survive. And um, I have gone through so many different iterations of finding that, finding 
what I can use to thrive. I have lived through obsessive compulsive disorder, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. I now know that I was living with at least four undiagnosed autoimmune diseases. And it all really came to a head when I was diagnosed with cancer, with metastatic thyroid cancer at age 22. And I thought the hard part of all that would be to survive the cancer, but really what that did for me was give me the choice of, do I want to live? Do I actually want to be here and live and fight for my life? Or do I want to just passively throw it all away? And coming to that that crossroads was such a monumental and heavy moment for me, but I'm so grateful for what that has brought me, what is what that has shown me within myself, because now I have grown into being someone who lives with cancer, who I lost my voice through my surgery. And so it's mm-hmm. a miracle that I'm even here to be able to talk to you for this long, because two years ago, I couldn't even talk for longer than 30 seconds and you couldn't even hear me. Mm -hmm. Um, I went from being a singer songwriter to losing my voice and finding myself (laughs) through all of that. And now with all that I've gone through and all of that I have discovered and learned, I am a neuroscience graduate student. I am a neuroscience researcher. I have founded and facilitate a group called the Cancer Thriver Collective to facilitate support for other people like me who've just not found it in this world. I am a mental health advocate. I am really just a human that is here to learn and grow and to empower other people to choose to live the way I did. And for more background, the way I got connected with the most beautiful person Liz here, (laughs) the host of this podcast is because on my healing journey, I had dissociated from my body completely and from my emotions and synchronistically in the most beautiful way, Liz is a certified breathwork facilitator and what she helps create in her container is the ability to leave the from what I understand, the conscious mind, the the protective mind, and to go into your body and to release so much unprocessed emotion and trauma and to really build that connection with your body again. And that was so monumental for me on my journey to be present into my body and to, and to heal. So Liz was an incredible part of that. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. You just hyped me up so much. And I'm like, now I need to hype her up too. I have heard, I've heard your music from the past and you do have an absolutely incredible voice not to put you on the spot here. If you're not comfortable, that's okay. But could I possibly leave a link to, to a video in the description of this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. I'm actually, doing it. I'm doing it. I actually finally like mentally came to terms with like the music. I decided it will stay out there and I cohesively put it into a, a link for people if they ever want to go back to the archive. So perfect timing. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put it there then. Cause it's, it's amazing. You have an incredible voice. Um, and yeah, we, so Uma and I were chatting for a while before we were recording this podcast and we were kind of just chatting about what we wanted to jam on in this episode and the topics of resistance and variability kept coming up a lot for us. And I think there's so much 
marketing out there today and so many mentors and influencers and coaches who probably don't even realize it because I've, I've been in the entrepreneur space. I am in the entrepreneur space and I understand the marketing tactics behind why this happens. But I think that so many out, so many people out there are preaching, you know, there's this one secret hack, or there's this one special method to healing or to reaching your goals. And Uma and I have both had experiences where following what we were told was the one way to do something actually in some ways made things worse in our journeys. Um, and so today we want to just chat about why resistance often comes up when you're on a path to growth and why it's so important to recognize that everyone's path is going to look different and that's okay. It's okay to have some variability in your journey and for things to look different than it does for other people. So Uma, I'm going to give you the floor. And if you want to just chat about how, um, you know, specific mindset tools actually ended up making things harder for you on your journey due to specific, you know, mental health conditions. Wow. That is such an incredible topic that I'm so grateful we get to talk about today because it's just not talked about. And I feel like we're having the conversation that so many people have on their minds because yeah. it is so easy to be in such a low place in your life, whether you're struggling through some sort of trauma and not moving past it or struggling with a mental health condition, a physical health condition, all of the above, or even just struggling with, with life and figuring out the point of your life and feeling so disempowered and not having the answer. And then there's a whole market of people who for exactly, as you said, for the purposes of creating their businesses and being successful, and maybe what worked for them, they're preaching that they have the answer for you. They have the secret for you. And mm -hmm. when you do what they say, it will solve all of your problems. And the population of people who are struggling so badly and who have developed a lack of trust within themselves because they're struggling and they feel like they obviously don't have the answer. They're so susceptible to wanting that certainty from other people mm. and then going about that only for it to possibly not work or solve all of their problems or, you know, produce the testimonial that you think it's going to bring from you. And then it just furthers the shame. It's so easy for you to not get that result or for that to not work a hundred percent for you, the way it was marketed to you and promised to you. And then for you to feel like there's something wrong with you because you yes. didn't do it correctly or there's a loophole that you're just the one person who nothing works for and it just gets you even deeper in the hole an example of that in my life was I have lived with obsessive compulsive disorder since at least six years old um and I'm 25 now. And first of all, I didn't even have the diagnosis or the words to put to it until about 2017. But beyond that, even when I did have that, for the longest time, I didn't understand how that meant that my brain is literally different from other people. And I could get into the actual like brain differences later if you want. But basically, I don't internalize information the way other people do. And my brain doesn't like process emotions the way other people do. And so for me, I was going about all of this self-help, even psychological treatments like CBT and, mm -hmm. you know, all of these promises from other people, like this will work for you because it worked for me. And I never found an answer. And that's because my brain doesn't work that way. And all that reinforced for me was I am stupid. I can't do these things. I'm unworthy. And it was so harmful for me. And I had, to, it took me finally, ironically, in this whole situation, 
instead of outsourcing my power, me listening to the part of me that was like, maybe there's something that you're missing here. Maybe it's not everything out there. Maybe it's something within yourself that there is to learn and discover and figure out and learn how to empower yourself. Cause I don't take the perspective of OCD like is, uh, is a handicap for me, or yeah. it is a reason that like, I'm not able to, you know, grow and live and live a beautiful life. It's just that it requires me to take a different route to get there. And finally, I had to just drop everything and listen to myself and figure out how does my brain work truly be honest with myself, you know, get the proper help I needed targeted for me and then learn to discern and figure out what can I implement? What can I try? What does work? What doesn't work? And ultimately use myself as the healer, myself as the advocate and myself as the empowerment rather than going into marketing. But also, as you said, Liz, like it's so hard to, to, to avoid the marketing because it's very good and it's preying very much on people's deepest insecurities and struggles. So I very much validate that struggle of interfacing with that. And I don't blame anyone for internalizing those messages because I did too. Yeah. And I think everything that you said about self-trust is so, so, so huge here. And I don't really know where in my life I adopted just like this very strong inner compass of like always kind of just following what feels right to me. It was just something that kind of happened in my life, but I've had many experiences with mentors and coaches who are amazing mentors and coaches also not in any way, you know, no one is perfect. Um, not in any way putting anyone down, but where like certain things they would teach just didn't fully resonate with me or just didn't fully land, or I would try them and they didn't they, they just weren't working for me. And it's okay to feel that way. I have been in enough coaching programs at this point to see that sometimes in this online um, coaching space, even like with influencers, there becomes this almost like very intense following around certain people where everyone wants to just be exactly like that person and do things exactly the way that that person does. And when that happens, we lose touch with that inner compass within ourself. And we start following exactly what someone else did to get where they are. And everyone's body, everyone's life experience, everyone's brain is different. What works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everybody else. And so I think it's so important to start building that level of self-trust within yourself. You can trust those gut feelings. I know this is a huge topic you and I have talked about so many times too. You can trust your gut feelings. And the more that you lean into that, the more you're going to find what actually works the best for you. And no matter who you're working with, even if it is, you know, someone who's certified or who's highly valued in the things that you're wanting to heal and, and grow in, you still need to trust what feels the most right for you. Absolutely. And with, with self-trust, it's so interesting because I feel like a huge gap in the self-trust and the idea of that is mm -hmm. when you lose trust in yourself because of the 
whatever fill in the blank reason that you're seeking out help or coaching or therapy or treatment or whatever that is, that reason kind of fuels the fact that you don't trust yourself because somehow you blame yourself for getting into that position in the first place. And, you know, logically you tell yourself what you have been doing is not working. So why would you trust yourself? You want to outsource all of your power to that person who has that answer and that solution, except for it's so interesting even if the person isn't like the person, the coach, the facilitator, whatever is in the highest level of integrity, I feel like what ends up happening oftentimes is that they are selling or promising a result that is rooted in embodiment maybe of certain values and abilities rather than like their actual version of it. Like for example, a coach is, you know, teaching you that with their program, with their, their teachings, they're going to get you to a place where you can live your own aligned life. Mm -hmm. However, what you might internalize is that aligned life means you're going to go become a coach and you're going to go have, you know, millions of dollars and you're going to live on the beach just like they do rather than your version of an aligned life. And that could be the coach's you know, fault because they might be trying to, you know, teach how you how to get to where they are, or it just might be the internalization of the person getting the coaching, which mm-hmm. not the coach's fault at all. And I'm saying coach, but you know, replace any yes, word anything. of yes. support yeah. person for that. Yeah. So I, and, and so with that, I feel like there's so much lost in trusting yourself and figuring out what's right for you. But ironically, <laughs> you are the one making the decision to seek out these, these services. So of course, why wouldn't you trust yourself? Because you're the one doing that. You obviously know that you want to get better or learn something from someone else. So there's that level of trust, but also if you're having gut feelings, which is exactly what you just Mm -hmm, said, Liz, mm -hmm. if you're having gut feelings about something that don't align, it's so easy to tell yourself that, oh, these gut feelings are coming up because I'm in resistance and because I Mm -hmm. am not um, the person that I'm supposed to become through this program yet. So I just need to ignore those gut feelings because eventually they'll turn into um, not feeling like this is bad or whatever anymore. And yet your gut, if your gut feelings are there and there is not also a level of excitement and belief that there is something outside of that natural gut feeling of fear, because fear comes up whenever you're in a situation where you're going to be somewhere outside of your normal, right? So fear is not, is a response, not only to things that are, you know, actually dangerous to you, which makes total sense, but it's also there to keep you in a state of homeostasis and normalcy, even if your normal is not something you want. But if you have that fear and you also have this excitement, this alignment with, oh, but I actually think this is good for me, then great. Like honor that fear because you can tell that fear is coming from wanting to expand and, or rather, you know, be feeling fear of expanding, but you also have that good feeling. Mm -hmm. But if you only have that fear and only have that resistance and you don't have the other true beliefs that this is something that serves you, yeah. listen to that. Listen yeah. to the fear rather than just squashing down the fear and ignoring the fear. Listen to what it's saying to you and let it speak to you. And then you can decide, you can discern what that fear means. So there's fear is always there to protect you and it's up to you how you listen to it. Yeah. I could not have said that better myself. And I think that's so incredibly important because also in the personal growth and development space, What I see sometimes is people use resistance 
in the wrong way. Like sometimes people actually just have a gut feeling of, no, this isn't for me, but they try to convince themselves. They're actually just resisting something. And just like you said, tune into that. Like, you know, that's you, you feel things in your body for a reason because your body is letting you know whether something is for you or not for you. And when you really tune into that feeling, you can tell if there's also, just like you said, this level of excitement for something and just like this deep inner knowing of like, yeah, this is going to be hard. Yeah. This is bringing up a ton of fear in me. Yes. This is maybe even making me feel like I might not be worthy of it. You know, all that stuff comes up when we are making these big leaps toward what we desire, but there's still this underlying knowing of like, but this thing is still for me and I'm going to stop at nothing Mm -hmm. to still get there. It's when there's no excitement whatsoever underneath. And when there's just that gut feeling of like, something's not right, this isn't for me. That's when, you know, you might not be resisting something and it might just be a visceral no for you. And that's okay. It's, it's important to walk away from the things that are visceral no's. Exactly. To me, on top of that, there is the added element of you feel that visceral no in your body, or you feel that visceral discomfort in your body, but then, you know, that translates into thoughts in our brain, right? Because our brain and our body are all working they're all doing the same mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. so that might manifest in your brain as thoughts of questions, questions of the validity of what it is you're learning, questions about loopholes that have not been addressed, um, mm-hmm. questions of if that even resonates with you. And all of these questions are data as well. So these questions are completely valid because that is part of your brain trying to internalize what is true for you and what isn't and what makes sense and what isn't. And that completely corresponds to that feeling of uncertainty in your brain. So I just wanted to add that if you have questions about things you're learning from any source, even on this podcast right here, listen to those questions. And if anybody tells you that your questions are not valid, if anybody tries to bypass your questions with an answer that still doesn't make sense to you, or if even worse, there's a teaching in whatever situation you're in, if if you have questions, then that itself is resistance. Mm -hmm. Listen to Mm -hmm. the red flag that that might bring up for you because your questions are so valid. And there's a reason you have questions because something doesn't make sense. Something doesn't click. And you know, if it's valid, then there will be an answer that you can seek out yourself or that will be given to you. And if that resonates great, then you were able to get more data and become even more embodied into whatever you're expanding to, whatever you're learning. But if you can't find an answer and you're not given an answer, and furthermore, you're told that your answer is resistant or your question is resistance, then please listen to, please listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with that because it is so easy to just dismiss what is coming up in your experience as just resisting something. And on that same note, this is a fine line because there are times too, when the brain likes to hijack your experience and just go into overthinking mode where you do start ruminating on like the same things over and over and over again. And this is where, you know, this is where having a mentor or having someone who understands that fine balance Mm -hmm. can be incredibly helpful in your journey. I know I've had people like that in my journey to help me point Mm -hmm. out whenever I'm actually asking something that truly is valid or my brain is just getting caught up in the same old loop systems. So, but it's so, so incredibly important. And if you have questions or something doesn't feel right to you, always investigate that never push aside those feelings within yourself, because the more we continue to not listen to those inner feelings, the more and more we actually stop trusting ourselves. 
Absolutely. Full circle. The more you do that, the more you're disconnected from your body, you're disconnected from your truth, you're disconnected from your emotions, you're disconnected from your brain, and you just outsource everything to everyone else. And I can attest that that is the most disempowered state and allows for so much to come into you that you just don't deserve to experience. Yeah. And so something else that was coming up a bunch as we've been talking is certainty and how you are saying, you know, this intense desire for certainty is part of what led you to sort of place that trust in other people. And certainty is a human need. It is a basic human need. We all want to feel certain about things. Feeling certain makes us feel safe. So yeah, take it away. Let's jam on certainty. Anything you want to add to that from your experience or why we seek certainty? Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to frame this in what happened in my life. And it's pretty extreme because of obsessive compulsive disorder, but I just want to preface this by saying, yes, it's extreme for me, but this applies to everyone because everyone does need certainty. Mm -hmm. It's just that my brain in particular has sought certainty since I came out of the womb Mm -hmm. and I've been asking questions on, you know, the reason the universe exists and what about religion and (laughs) about, um, why we, about everything, why, 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 since as early as I can remember. And so for me, this, (laughs) and that's why I relate to you so much. That's why we're friends. And that's why we're here because we have, I feel like come such a long way in contending with that need for certainty, which is the hardest thing Mm -hmm. sometimes someone can do with their, with existing. But Mm -hmm. for me, I have sought certainty for so long and I had so little trust in myself that I actually, I've never said this publicly. I ended up in a religious cult by the time I was 14 years old Mm -hmm. on my own because I never found answers that made sense for me. And then finally I was met with a version of a truth to a question I had, which was why do people suffer Mm -hmm. that somehow in my 14 year old brain made sense. And anytime I questioned that I was taught this cognitive loop of, if you ask questions and you're actually falling into the trap of Mm. whatever they believed. Mm -hmm. So I got caught up in that. And at the same time, the whole time in my seven years that I was in that cult, I always, I, my body was telling me that I needed to run away. This was all so bad. And like, this was, this never made sense to me. So it's interesting how my body was always trying to protect me, even when I didn't know or realize that. But anyway, I realized that I, against all logic, I came, I fell into that cult because I sought certainty and I was finally met by people who spoke with such certainty, mm. even though what they said didn't make sense. And they I was so attracted to that certainty. Exactly. Or yeah, they were certain yeah. about it slash they presented it in such a certain way with such a certain energy, which mm-hmm. is certain words, no room for questioning that for me, it was almost a sigh of relief. Like, okay, I give it to them. I give them yeah. my power. And I don't need to question this anymore because they gave me my answers. Eventually, through a combination of different reasons, I did leave and it took, it's taken me a long time to really reconcile what all has happened and that need for certainty. But after the cult, I still started seeking certainty at, you know, 21 years old. I still wasn't sure. I thought, okay, that's not the answer, but there's still a answer out there. So I just dove so deep into the personal development world. I started trying to find any sort of theory, any sort of law, any sort of anything that could give me my answer. And in that process, I just, 
I kept interfacing with this, you know, dissonance of you're telling me this and you speak with such certainty, even though you don't really have anything to back it up or answer my questions, but also I don't trust myself and I don't have the answer. So therefore I'm just going to go with what you, what you say, even though I don't fully resonate. And from doing so much work of, you know, finding this certainty and still not feeling safe and okay, I realized, okay, well, what's the point of seeking certainty if I don't get it and I still don't feel safe. Like, obviously that isn't the answer. Like finding a certain answer isn't the answer to to feeling safe. And after really coming to a head with so many situations where I just didn't speak up and speak my truth. And I ended up figuring out that that indeed was my, my gut feelings were correct. I have finally come to understand after so much victim blaming of myself and so much shame from getting into these situations and being, you know, attracted into these situations, even as a child, I realized that it's not my fault in that my brain wants certainty, which the extreme level is with obsessive compulsive disorder, your entire existence surrounds certainty. Yeah. And there's no such thing as certainty, but for everyone, this, this applies. I realize that it's not my fault that my brain wants that. And I also get to take responsibility now with that information of understanding that my, my fear of parts of life and my seeking of certainty can be resolved because Mm -hmm. I can remember that this is me seeking certainty when the truth is nothing is certain. You Mm -hmm. can know what resonates with you and your body and your whatever works for your brain. And that can feel as certain as possible and go with that. If that if that resonates with you, because we're so bio-individual, we're all so different. Things resonate differently with us. Whatever you find as your truth with every fiber of your being can be your truth. And whatever doesn't resonate isn't true. And I just have let go of this idea that I, in my lifetime, in this century, you know, I'm not certain about that. Maybe I will find the answer, but I don't think I will, or I'm okay with not finding the answer of the answer to everyone's humanity, the universal truth for every single individual. Instead, I am okay with finding what resonates with me and other people finding what resonates with them. And most importantly, not pushing that onto anybody. Mm -hmm. And that reminds, that is something I want to highlight about Liz and everything she does that has, that I have so much respect for, which is Liz is as a human being and a coach and a mentor and everything that she is the core of what she does is helping other people in a very clear way find their truth. I have never heard Liz speak of anything certainly unless it's rooted in current provable science. I have never heard her speak of any, her, you're right in front of me. (laughs) I've never heard you speak of anything or preach anything to anyone that is, this is the truth and you follow it. And if you follow it, you will get there. It's like, this is my belief this is what it's founded in and this is what's worked for me and it can work for you if that's what resonates for you but I but you it's it's amazing you train people to find their own truth and to to trust in their own bodies and to me that is just so incredible and such a model for everyone to follow who works with anybody thank you that's so sweet but yeah that that is at the basis of what I do because and I think this is something so important for people to understand and this branches out into everything in life too. And, and I've made this mistake by me saying what I'm about to say, I am by no means perfect in any way whatsoever, but 
the more and more and more that I continue to go deeper on, you know, working on myself, the more and the more and the more that I realize that every single thing in life is subjective, everything. Like we all have our own truths. We all resonate with different things because we all have different life experiences. And just because you feel something, just because you believe something, or just because somebody else feels or believes something does not make either one of those people an inherently bad person in any way whatsoever. The core of everyone of everyone is someone who is good. I truly believe that about, about all human beings is that we all have this pure, whatever you want to call it, goodness at our core. For the most part, people are not coming from a place of trying to hurt other people with their belief systems, but people view life in the world through the lens in which they grew up and they experienced. And so the reason people do certain things is because that is what matches their life experience and makes the most sense to them. And it's so incredibly important that we all come back to finding our inner truth. And yes, this does branch out, you know, into how it affects other people's lives and stuff like that. I'm not saying that there shouldn't also be universal morals or things like that, but I'm just saying we all need to kind of come together and start realizing a little bit more that everyone believes certain things for certain reasons. And most people are not trying to harm anyone through that. Sorry, that was a little rant and tangent, but it's just like so relevant today. (laughs) And thank you for saying that because that is something I wish to embody and my goal and all I want to do is embody that truth and that energy, that version of truth for me at least, right? Because everything's subjective, Mm -hmm. but that's what I like. That's what I believe as well. And something that really cemented that in for me was this simple idea someone brought up for me once that, you know, this exact, like, if you want to think about it in latitude and longitude, like in this exact latitude and longitude that you're in right now, this spot, wherever you are right now, listening to this, where you are, Liz, where I am, nobody else is. If you're with someone like your family member and they're right next to you, they're still not in the same exact position as you. Mm -hmm. So in that, Mm -hmm. even in that sense, you're never even seeing the world from the same perspective ever, like in a physical sense, right? And so you could be looking at the same building and you're from two different angles. So it looks two different ways to you. Like everything is subjective and then take, you know, every internalized experience from the time you were conceived, right? Mm -hmm. And then like every, every, like the way you were conceived, the way you were born, every life experience you've ever had, the setting you were in, like it is completely subjective. And in that way, it's so, um, it's very hard to do as humans because it's so hard to come out of our own experience, but to develop self or develop compassion for people, for just being a byproduct of their environment and all the information that they have thus internalized and hoping and trusting that if they internalize and are exposed to more information, they come to different results, right? So it's just so interesting that the world is in a place where we are so we're looking at it so binary in from such a binary lens of you're either like me or you're not like me when not one person has ever had the same life experience. And I say Mm -hmm. that as someone who has actively faced a lot of racism, a lot of discrimination for mm-hmm. being an Indian woman, the daughter of immigrants, um, mm-hmm. and all that that has in America. Yeah. Um, I have really had to contend with understanding that people are just viewing me through the lens of what they know. And interestingly enough, when I give them more data, I get treated differently mm-hmm. because they learn whatever bias they might've had, it might change when they actually get to know someone, a woman of color and actually get mm-hmm. to talk to them and they're 
I've seen the goodness of people come out so much just by being exposed to someone like me, maybe for the first time in their life. So Mm -hmm. I completely agree with everything you said. And I know you and I have talked to a little bit about kind of overcoming a lot of certain beliefs that were instilled in you at a very young Mm -hmm. age, um, you know, from your upbringing. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. how you've overcome a lot of like limitation that was placed on you when you were really young. Absolutely. So my parents, just for some short background, um, they came from India and the time they're, they're older than most parents. So they grew up in the fifties and sixties in India, which for anyone who doesn't know, like it was such a patriarchal society. Like we think Mm -hmm. America's a patriarchy, like India was just, Mm -hmm. you know, women, like women didn't go past like fifth grade most of the time. And then they became like wives and were impregnated. And that was their whole life. And I, like my parents came from a time where that was a normal thing. And my mom, mom had, she has always been someone who has fought against the norm. And she not only fought through all that from a young age, she also became a civil engineer in a college where there were seven women total Mm -hmm. (laughs) and working as a civil engineer. She, it was to the point where they didn't even have female bathrooms because that's just not something women did. Mm -hmm. And yet my mom fought through so much and my dad fought through so much as well. He moved to America with $40 and was yeah. like homeless and did, they both fought through so much to fight, a, to, to fight and pr- create a life for me here so that I would have opportunity. But through my mom's life experience, because of what she lived through there in India and having to fight constantly and never being taken seriously and never get being given the opportunities that men were given and fighting for them instead. Mm-hmm. And then coming to America, having to with the same thing also with the added layer of race they were both heavily discriminated against and mm-hmm. needed to fight so hard to be able to get the same opportunities and they did they fought so hard and what was taught to me was that from a young age i was told like you know with any of my non-indian or you know mostly my my white peers and counterparts mm-hmm. i was always reminded that you will never have the same opportunities as them. You will always have to work harder than everybody else. It will always be something you have to deal with. And you just have to remember that and make and understand you can't take risks like they can. You can't um, think as big as they can because it's just a gift for you to even be here. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> take the safe route and yeah. do um, what will get you the most money because it don't, don't buy into this idealistic dream that you can do whatever you want. You're not white. And I carried that with me for so long and it brought me such shame to even consider doing anything outside of what was expected of me because I truly believed because I was constantly told that the world was too small and I was never good enough. I was never capable and everyone was looking at me because of my race. And I'm not saying that that isn't true or that there aren't elements of that or that is a limitation, but I also just fully believe that and never even questioned that. And as a result, I didn't even extend past my boundaries to even test that out to see if it was true for Mm -hmm. a while because I believed it to be a truth and when I finally started really thinking about everything in my life what is because of as we talked about so much of my beliefs about certainty and just kind of my entire worldview coming away I even started questioning that belief or at least observing the fact that I was told for so long that 
these would all be limitations. So why even consider doing anything otherwise? No one will, you know, all the things that I ever dreamed of doing that were just not a possibility. In fact, even being in a relationship with a white man, Mm -hmm. I am constantly reminded um, today, it's like, even now with everything I'm doing, I'm still reminded because, you know, my parents are trying to protect me. They keep reminding me like, you can't do the same thing he does. You might see him and think that he has all these possibilities and he can live his life a certain way. Just remember, you can't do that. You have to do things differently. And I'm so proud of myself because I have taken the risk of questioning that statement as Mm -hmm. hard as it is. I've always been kind of a rebel, but especially taking (laughs) that, (laughs) taking those statements and trying things anyway, like Mm -hmm. going in, you know, outside of the become a doctor or lawyer or engineer and going into such a crazy thing psychology yeah, (laughs) Um, and now going into neuroscience, you know, before that going into music, which I was told music will never work out for you because you're Indian. No one wants to hear that in America. And And yet you have the most beautiful voice ever. Thank you for saying that. But before I lost my voice um, from my cancer surgery at the peak of what I had started building in my music career, I had sold three shows out at as a headliner at the house of blues in Dallas. I was Mm about to be on sees the voice, like I was building something. And to me, that was a test of, okay, maybe it might be like, cause nothing's certain. It might be harder for me to yeah. do it, but that doesn't mean I can't, I can yeah. try and maybe it won't be harder. And just expanding, like, instead of that wall holding you back, it's like, turn that into maybe a fence where you, it's like, it's transparent or maybe even take down that wall. If you get to realize that things are possible for you. And my life has expanded so much. Liz, I wouldn't be here talking to you on this podcast if I still believe that because Mm -hmm. those old beliefs would have told me that no one wants to hear an Indian woman on a podcast talking about neuroscience and emotions and mind and body and soul. I, I belong in the lab. So all that to say, just my, I'm so grateful to everything I have been given like everything that has led for me to be here in America in this opportunity, this world of opportunity. And I'm so grateful like to no end for the sacrifices that my family has made. And I understand that they were just trying to protect me uh, from pain and hurt and protect their sacrifice of me coming here. And I also get to honor that by actually going against what they told me and expanding my life even further than they ever thought was possible and honoring that sacrifice. That is so incredibly beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, that is such a beautiful story. And I think, you know, there's so many people out there that need to hear that. And the thing that can sometimes be difficult about when we are transforming beliefs is that our beliefs are changeable. And when we truly change our beliefs, our experiences also do get to change. But the thing that makes it so difficult sometimes is that when we've held a belief for long enough, our experience has already reflected that back to us for a long Mm -hmm. time as well. And so what happens is we start to see that belief as ultimate truth Mm -hmm. because we've now had enough lived experience that has shown that to be quote unquote true. And so- Sometimes, you know, no matter what it is that you are trying to shift in your life in terms of belief systems, constantly coming back to that recognition of the fact that beliefs are empty shells. I say that all the time to my clients, a belief is an empty shell. It's like, you know, when you're little and you go to the beach and there's those little hermit crabs in like the, you know, the, the big tanks and they like walk around and they just like 
they come out of one shell and they go into another one and there's all these pretty painted shells with all different patterns. Like that's all that beliefs are. You get to just go and choose a new one, but you have to hold on to it long enough to watch your experience start to alter and change too. Because if you don't oh, hold yeah. that belief for long enough, then you're going to give up because your dominant experience, your dominant assumptions, your dominant belief is still you know, whatever your old one is. So you have to have that persistence to hold on to that new story for long enough that you start to see evidence of things shifting for you. One million percent. And all beliefs are, are associations created by your brain because that's all mm -hmm. our brain does. It just makes associations and learn things because we're constantly adapting to new information and new circumstances, especially at the beginning of life, but all of life. And so, you know, just as, you know, even if you want to think listening to this about an example in your own life, of, you know, you dealt with some sort of really horrible situation or circumstance, like you got into a car accident or you went through sort of some sort of trauma or, you know, anything, something that was really scary. And then because of that, you're, or, you know, maybe you ate something and even got food poisoning. And after that, even though that same food doesn't have food poisoning, you still have an aversion to it. Mm -hmm. That's because your brain simply made the association that that equals bad, that equals danger, because our, again, our brain is constantly making associations and trying to protect us. And so, you know, we just tend to believe these beliefs because we believe our thoughts, because our yes. thoughts feel like they run us, except honestly, our thoughts are completely just our brain firing neural impulses based on all that it has learned. And so the cool thing is the fact that you can develop, for example, a food aversion or from a car accident, the fear of being in a car accident that shows you that you are able to change your beliefs all the time because prior to that, you didn't have that belief. Mm -hmm. So if you can change your beliefs to something that protects you in a quote unquote negative way, you can do the same thing in terms of dismantling very beliefs or any negative beliefs you have and turning them into to something that does serve you because truly it's incredibly infinite how much we can adapt our brain to, to serve us for what we want just by, yeah. by consciously knowing that we can change our beliefs. If you can change, and the thing about changing beliefs is they're either, you know, not by choice because, you know, if you didn't choose to get into a car accident, you didn't choose to, to change your belief that yeah. cars are yeah. scary, right? That's yeah. just an example of like neural, uh, neural pathways are reinforced by the amount of times that it has, that that thought or that belief is reinforced and, or the intensity of emotion, mm -hmm. like that your brain tags it by because you have a million thoughts a day, but thoughts that are, you know, that are intertwined with emotion really get cemented in your brain. So something really scary that just happened once can become a belief because of the intensity of that fear or whatever you negative experience you feel. So in that same way, you can create different positive beliefs that do serve you by literally just repeating them and believing that it is possible because it is possible. That's just mm -hmm. neuroscientifically accurate. If you take my truth, please go validate me. But yeah, if you believe yeah. what I'm saying, <laughs> if you believe what I'm saying to be true, that your brain can do that, then you have the ability to use that bedrock to just repeat different beliefs you want to make and to really feel the positive emotions that you want from that belief. And then they become created. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It is. It is. And I've experienced that so many times over in my own life. That was a huge part of my healing journey. And mm -hmm. that is also why, you know, people always say in the personal development space, when you're, you know, visualizing the things that you want, like cultivate that feeling within, what does it feel like to really be that version of yourself that has what it is that you want? Because when you attach that intense emotional experience with those new thoughts, you are making that even more solid in your brain. Mm -hmm. You're hacking your brain. You're hacking your brain. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome chat. We've covered so much. I don't know if there's any other things you want to mention about resistance, about, you know, shifting your brain, any of the science behind that, anything at all. Ultimately, this, again, just want to encourage everyone to go look into these concepts yourself and, you know, empower yourself more about how your brain works. But truly, it's so interesting how we are taught that so much of our experience is out of our control. And yes, mm -hmm. the external experience and things that come at you can be out of your control. But we have so much agency at the same time in, you know, after those experiences to really mold our brain and to change our beliefs through our actions and through our trial and error and really create beliefs that serve us. And I, you know, for me, I am living proof of that because mm -hmm. I am a completely different person than I was a year ago, two years ago. I, you know, I, I could barely live. And here today, I am able through a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of support, a lot of therapy, a lot of treatment, a lot of all of the things, but also me doing the work, like yeah. me taking that and internalize that and internalizing that and believing I am worthy of possibly changing and creating a different life for myself and being a different person or a better, you know, more serving version of myself. That is entirely possible. And it is not rooted in things that are intangible that other people just have the secret towards coming full circle from our, the beginning of our conversation, these, yeah. this ability is completely within yourself. And some yes. people may have tools to expedite that process or to reflect back to you, you know, things that you might not be seeing within yourself, but ultimately you have the power and it is all within you. You choose to do the work. You choose to take what resonates and what doesn't you choose to believe or to create the belief that you are worthy of even trying this, of trying to make your life different. And you have the ability to find the most beautiful life for you. So if I want to leave you with anything, it is that you have the power and you are so worthy of it. And if you don't believe it, it's okay. You can create new beliefs. Yeah. I can't remember who said this, but it's that quote of like, whether you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. And it's the truth. If you believe you can't do something, you're going to find evidence all day long in your life of why you can't do something. If you choose yep. to shift that and believe you can, you will start to see mm -hmm. evidence in your life and you will start to be led down paths that are going to get you ultimately to where you want to be. And that road isn't always short. That's the other thing too, based off of everything you were just saying of like putting in the hard work. There's just such a desire for instant gratification. And I was talking with a client about this the other day. You have to become the version of yourself that has your desire. There's a reason you don't have the thing you want yet. And it's because who you're being, who you're showing up as, and your belief systems aren't matching that version of you that has the thing that it is that you want. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not be there because that's part of life is growing and working toward becoming that person. So the more that you can just, the more you can just embrace the journey rather than being caught up in trying to be right where you want to be right now in this moment, the more enjoyable that it's going to be. Yeah. And to your point, in terms of the fact that you're always going to confirm your beliefs by seeing what you believe, like yeah. literally your brain, if 
your brain is made to do that because there is a bazillion in one stimuli coming at you all the time. If you mm -hmm. were going to be focusing on everything that happened all the time, like you couldn't function. So mm -hmm. your brain has to like narrow down to what is important and what is already in your brain to look for more of that. Like, you know, the person that you recognize versus the million people, maybe in a mall that you don't recognize, you're going to focus on the one you do recognize because mm -hmm. that's what's in your mm -hmm. brain. Right. And so that's how your brain is made to be. So no matter what you believe you're, it's, it's not some crazy, like pseudoscience thing of like, you're going to see all that you're going to constantly see what you believe. It's literally that if you believe something, your brain is looking for confirmation of that because it's constantly looking for certainty and it's wired to look for what you recognize. So if you, if you're looking for something else, you find something else. A few years ago, this for some random reason, a hubcap off of my back left tire of my car fell off. And I didn't mm -hmm. even know what a hubcap was <laughs> at the time. So I learned what a hubcap was because it fell off. And I was like, oh, gross, whatever. And yeah. then literally after that, I saw like, it was this weird, funny, like joke at you know, at this point, I constantly saw and still see the exact kind of car I drive or I dro drove a silver Toyota Corolla with the back left hubcap off all the time. I started seeing it everywhere. And I, That's was like, so funny. And I realized it's because I never looked for cub or, you know, cars without a hubcap before, because I didn't know what a hubcap was and I was never missing one. So my yeah. brain narrowed down and started looking for that because I, it, it's something in my conscious awareness. So there you yeah. go. Like it just, you, so if you believe, if you start believing something new, you get to find something new. And in relation to the, the last thing you said, in terms are of our feeling like our journey needs to come instantaneously and that there's an end goal and like feeling just so ashamed that we haven't gotten to our end goal. The funny thing is there is no end goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That too, you're always going to be expanding and growing into something more because once again, coming to our brains, our brains are constantly adapting and growing. And there is no such thing as finding a, a peak in your life because the point is mm -hmm. to survive. And since, you know, all of our needs are actualized, what surviving is, is finding more things to accomplish and do and be and learn because that doesn't just magically stop once you get to your goal. So mm -hmm. if you see life as the entire journey is of becoming rather than of getting to a, a linear goal and being where you are, and then from the other side of that feeling shame that you're not there, if you can accept that you are already such a beautiful, actualized human being, and you will be growing forever in your lifetime. You can develop so much compassion for yourself and every you know, level you reach is more of an, like you're excited to become an even better version of yourself rather than feeling that shame that you're not there yet. Because like I said, there is no there. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And I love that you are, you're always becoming and you're always going to have new desires. You're always going to have new goals mm -hmm. and honoring yourself in the process is the most important part. And just mm -hmm. learning to be fulfilled, learning to love yourself, no matter where you're at is so incredibly important because otherwise you're going to spend your whole life chasing. Exactly. And that whole journey that is life, instead of being present and excited and grateful, which, you know, enhances growth, you're going to feel shame and sadness and dissatisfaction, which yeah you don't deserve to do. You have an option for something else. And hopefully from this conversation, we've fed that possibility into your brain. So now you can start developing that belief and you can start expanding yourself into that. Yeah. 
And to wrap this up, it is mental health awareness month. And so, you know, anyone who's listening to this, if you are in any way struggling with mental health, do not feel any shame around, you know, admitting that and around seeking help because both Uma and I have sought out help before for mental health. And it's something that's incredibly important and don't ever discount how you personally feel and what's going on inside your body and the help that you need for yourself. So I don't know if you want to say any parting words. I mean, on that note, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to therapy right after this (laughs) full transparency, like therapy and treatment and anything for your brain. It is just like any other part of your body. That is something that is so important to remember your brain is literally just another organ and to stigmatize any help you may need in nourishing and healing and working with that organ is it's such an unfair stigma that exists. And I'm so grateful mental health awareness month exists because it's like telling someone not to get help for their liver. And in fact, your brain is even more important because it dictates your conscious thoughts and beliefs and your ability to function in your life. And you so deserve that support through whatever means works for you and resonates for you and all the information out there on the internet that is so empowering. So you deserve it. And just let both Liz and I be an expander for you in knowing that mental health is so important and it can, and help can really change your life. Yeah. So beautiful. So where can people find you? What is your Instagram? I'll leave links down below, but if people want to chat with you or communicate with you, how can they do that? Yes, I would love to connect with you and to hear what you think of this episode. And you can find me on Instagram at Uma R Chatterjee, U-M-A-R-C-H-A-T-T-E-R-J-E-E. My comments and DMs are always open. You can find me at my website as well. Same thing, umarchatterjee.com. We'll leave links down there because my name is so obnoxiously long. <laughs> and Yes, you can, you can find me everywhere. I'm on medium. I'm on YouTube. I am on everything. So I just look forward to connecting with any of you and just knowing that you got something from this and you feel more empowered to find your, your, find the belief and love in yourself on your own journey. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm also putting her YouTube video link down (laughs) below too. So be sure to check that out as well, but thank you so much for being here, Uma. And thank you so much for having me, Liz. And more and most importantly, thank you for being such a beacon of light in this world for so many people who have just felt so lost and thrown away from the self-development worlds, all the all the things, because you are just such an incredible human. Thank you for doing the work that you do and bringing the awareness and advocacy to what matters and for just being an embodiment of everything that you believe and teach others. Thank you. You're so sweet. You're going to like make me cry (laughs) on that note. I guess we'll have to end this episode now, Uh, but thank you everyone for listening.